Hello and welcome to edition number three of the Kenya Experience podcast. My name is Gavin Smith and I'm here today with Hugo Vandenbroek and Callum Jones. Hi guys. Hey. Hey Gavin. Uh, so quick introduction for those who, those who haven't listened to any of our podcasts so far. Hugo is our head coach at the Kenya Experience. Uh, coach, uh, he's an athlete who, former athlete, sorry, who lives in Iten, Kenya. And Callum works with me on the UK office side of the Kenya Experience. Um, and in these podcasts, we have a general, a general catch up and a chat about what's going on in our own running and our own lives. Uh, and then delve into a topic or topics which we want to talk about in the running world. Um, and today, our topic is going to be the myths of Kenyan training. So, first of all, Callum, what's going on? Hey man, um, yeah, again, kind of a, a little repeat on um, on where we were last week because I've just had another time trial actually, and um, it's um, it's quite good that Hugo is here today with this one because he kind of he set me the time trial. Hugo's my coach, so um, yeah. So uh, again, it seems like every time I catch up with you, I'm I'm sitting here with knackered legs and sore calves because I've just had a, a, a three thousand meter time trial. Well, three k, how'd it go? Yeah, it was okay. It was kind of. Wait, it wait, was wait, pretty let much. Guess. Let me guess. So it's three yeah, k. Were you fresh? Like, did you, did you tapered yeah. for a time trial, or were you in, mm, in, tra- in? I I was in training, but it wasn't like hard training. We had like a relatively easy week. Uh, decent conditions. Mm, windy. Yeah, everyone says that though, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, <they're> blowing a gale, <laughs> <the> hurricane. <laughs> um, okay, uh, eight. 39 Ooh, pretty good guess 832 okay yeah good work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i was happy with that yeah uh, e- even or quite even yeah 249 249 253 so okay nice one. Yeah. yeah good work with, with some points to get it up to 250 yeah uh, yeah 832 um, spikes. yeah so spikes on the track yeah so um my spikes my track, track has know, yeah. been maybe yeah. 12 12 years since i wore spikes on the track <laughs> yeah i was saying to hugo that my calves are actually really sore today because it's been the first time since well for almost a year since i ran in spikes on the track but not not quite 12 years though i'll give you that yeah hugo <laughs> how are you doing I was thinking oh, it would be interesting to do the same uh with um you know the new type of shoes like like the nike vaporfly because i mean we we in the past you know we would always say you when you run on the track you have to use spikes but i'm I've heard already from several athletes who said, if I'm going to run at 10,000 meters on the track, I will put on my vapor flies or next percentage, right? Um, not use the spikes. Um, so I were, yeah, just wondering uh, if that would be the same for a 5K. Yeah, or- for sure. When I was coaching with Canova, he often used to say that he didn't think spikes made any difference um, at below a certain speed. And it was, a, it was a, really, a really high threshold that he had for where he thought spikes would actually make make a difference over just a normal racing shoe um this is even pre yeah. pre vaporfly days and certainly i i can't remember what the what the pace was but it was very fast i, I think certainly mm. certainly th- th- yeah the idea would have been that you're not really gaining anything from spikes at the kind of paces that that callum's run um i, th- I think if, so, if i was doing if i was doing a 5k i would wear vaporflies and anything for less for, for the protection of because you think it's faster just i think it's faster 
but mm. but anything anything shorter than that and i prefer the kind of like aggressive feel of the spikes just because i'm running a bit faster and i prefer that just the feeling really it'd be it would be interesting though wouldn't it to see to see what happens because until yeah. until you tried it you wouldn't really know which one was because you'd you'd quickly change your mind on that if you came back and ran faster in the in the, yeah. in the racing shoes wouldn't you exactly yeah exactly. Mm, yeah interesting interesting yeah. um Hugo, Hugo, how are you going uh, on in kenya yeah how are you getting on um yeah yeah things are okay here i mean um in general uh w- w- when it comes to corona i would say the cases are still rising here but it's it's just going very slowly we never had you know um how do you say uh, a situation like what you have in europe or in america uh over the last what is it, uh, almost three months now, it has been slowly rising. And yesterday we had 167 cases, um, cases, eh? not deaths. Um, so, right. yeah, it's still that, relatively low. New, newly reported cases or that's total cases ongoing? No, total cases is, uh, let me check, about 2,800 mm. and about 80 deaths. Uh, 80 people died from it, uh, 2,700 cases in total. And yesterday we had 167, which is the highest so far. In the last, um, I would say, from 28 May, we were always between 120 and 150. Yeah, so, um, but in terms of, of running, you can see now more people are actually training, more Kenyans uh, who left are coming back to Iten to train. Uh, because as you know, um, uh, many athletes who train here in Iten, they don't actually come from here. They, they may live one hour, two hours drive from here. So they came back and start training. And uh, for me, a biggest change in situation was that uh, Murli, my Indian athlete, he left. So in the last uh, few weeks, we were doing workouts twice a week uh, together. And uh, on last Friday, he flew back to India. Okay. Was, was, that, was that planned or something, did something change to, 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 um, to make him go home? Yeah. He, well, he always uh, wanted to go home and I... At first, I didn't really get it. I was like, you know, it's 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 good weather here. You can train well here. So, but I also saw that he uh, he misses his family, and I think mm. just being alone, of course, in a in in a, in a place in a situation like now, I could understand that he wanted to be uh, at home. It is you know where he's most comfortable, and also um, the situation is a little bit different now than normal. Of course, I mean, in the normal situation, he would be able to to meet a lot of people. But right now he was just training, and then apart from training, he's just sitting alone in his house, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's so different. yeah. So he, he, he wasn't he wasn't out with uh, other athletes from home. No, no, he was just all by himself uh, in a rental house, and I would meet him twice a week uh, to go for training, and sometimes in between if I wanted to talk with him. But um, yeah, mostly he was by himself. So he, when he heard there was a flight, he applied for it, and uh, he went home. Now he's in a one week quarantine and then he will uh, be able to uh, go to his family and probably in two or three weeks our training center in India will open back up which means that all the athletes will come back and train in the training center again okay uh, that's yeah. good yeah are athletes in a10 training as a group together now small groups I've seen groups of four or five people yeah yeah uh, they are still not going to the track not going to the gym that's not allowed but um, yeah, I've seen uh, groups of athletes now, and it's not an issue. And and if you run, you also don't have to wear a mask. So um, yeah, it's. it's I, I did wonder if something had changed because I saw there were groups doing the 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 the, the NN running team challenge was this weekend. Did, did you see yeah. that, Hugo? The the mar- marathon. 
yeah. I think they called yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, and I, I saw some I saw some groups doing yeah, inverted comma races along like Moyben Road and, and and places like that. So I wondered if or I presumed something something had changed that you're now able to run at least in small groups. Well, you know, it's not really communicated as such that uh, something has changed. But I think um, in the beginning, the police was just very, very tough. Like if they would see uh, there was a day where they arrested, uh, I think, about 10 people for training uh, with someone else. So these were all people who were training in couples, two, two, two. So and they were arrested. And then later people started doing that and the police didn't mind. And then they were, you know, so kind of slowly by slowly, things changed without the police uh, making a big deal about it. So I think in the end, you know, uh, people started to feel a little bit more comfortable, a little less scared. And then if there's no uh, yeah, reaction from the police that it, this is not allowed, they go on with their stuff. Hmm. Doesn't, but, doesn't, doesn't make it easy when you're trying to plan training camps in Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when there's a yeah there's there's a lack of a lack of official information yeah 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 yeah. well you know i I jest but it is uh it is difficult yeah well you know the government just uh says you know we we have to maintain social distancing but i don't think they really reinforce that rule so much Uh, the rule that they do reinforce is the fact that you have to wear a mask so you do have to wear a mask and if you don't then you have really a problem if you, uh, you know, the social distancing rule is also funny because they say keep a meter distance. But, you know, what's a meter? Is that between, you know, your body or yeah. your arms, your hands? Um, uh, so in a meter, that's that's quite close anyway. So they're not making a big deal about it. And there was never a rule that uh, people are not allowed to run together. Uh, okay. It's just that the police in Iten made that uh, their personal rule. But it was not an, uh, like a national rule or a law. So it was just... Uh, you know, personal ID from the police here. <laughs> What's going on in the running world more generally that anyone's anyone's noticed this week that they think is worth of worth of a mention? Uh, not that much, of course, but uh, the, yeah, the th- the thing I first think about is uh, Salva Eid Nasser, who was uh, busted for drugs. Uh, she missed uh, well, she wasn't busted. She she missed three tests, I think. So uh, I d- yeah, they 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 they've updated that to four tests. She missed four tests. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about it, actually. I just know that she's a 400-meter runner. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if she's a uh, world record holder, but she, I think she was world champion, right? Yeah, world, world champion. Yeah. She, she, ran, she ran 48 low. It's like 48.17, I think, or 48.18. So it's one, one of the fastest of all time. Um, yeah, that's a... That's that's a what's the word for it? It's it's a strange one in her her blase attitude towards what's happened is is baffling. Like she's not her defense defense is pretty much what's the big deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm just seeing now. Uh, I've clicked on an article from the uh, the Guardian, and she says, "I've never been a cheat. I will never be. I only missed three drug test tests, which is normal. It happens. It can happen to anybody." Well, that's just BS, you know, that's really, really nonsense. I, I know the system uh, when it comes to um, uh, the anti-doping system, right? Um, yeah, well, can, and, you, can, you talk us, can you talk us through that a little bit then? What, what, what is it she's, because uh, maybe some people listening aren't going to really understand. She says she's missed three tests. Is that, is that easy to do? Can, can you miss three tests? No, just by... I, 
unless you're completely stupid. But normally, um, I mean, my wife has uh, uh, been in the testing pool for several years. I think four or five years. Uh, I've got an Indian athlete, the one that I told you that he just left. He's in the testing pool. So what this means is that when you're one of the best in the world or one of the best in your country, they they put you in the testing pool, which means that you 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 have to put your whereabouts on a website called Adams Anti Doping System, whatever. So uh, on this website, you have to say every day where you are. Uh, and it's really not that hard because the main thing is that you have to mention every day a one-hour time frame where you will be at home, and then you have to mention where you will be, of course. So, you know, in the case of... So does it have to be home or you just pick one hour of where you will be somewhere? Yeah, yeah one hour where you will be. Um, so, yeah, so, so so the easiest way to do it is home. Yeah, for, for most runners, for sure, you know, because running doesn't take like six hours a day, right? So most of the runners uh, who are in the testing pool, of course, they're full-time athletes. They don't have a job. So in our case, you know, we would just say, like, we know for sure every evening at 7 o'clock we're at home or even 6 o'clock. So we would say every evening from 7 to 8 at this address. And you normally fill in for three months ahead, but uh, you have an app on your phone and you can also go online on your computer uh, where you can change it every day if you have to. So... If I say that I'll be at home at seven o'clock, but someone today calls me and says, hey, um, can you come for dinner? Then I can go online and say, oh, um, I'm not at home at seven o'clock. I'll be at home from five to six, right? And um, so, yeah, you can change it every day, but you do have to think about it, of course. So if you if you put in your whereabouts that you'll be at home from seven to eight, um, when the drug testers come, they will probably come around seven o'clock and they will wait for you. They are not supposed to call you, but they're supposed to just wait. If by probably 8 o'clock or maybe even before that, maybe 7.30, 7.40, you're still not at home, they will just leave and it's a missed test. Okay. Right. So so, so, so presumably then if, if you – once maybe you could forget, but it's the, even once seems if, – if, if the tester turns up on the one time that you weren't at home at that time, that's pretty unlikely. Yes. Well, so yeah. I've never that suggests to me like that you, you've you've probably been you've probably not been there numerous times in order to get caught out once. Yeah, yeah. It would be extremely uh, unlucky if um, the first time you're not at home. Uh, yeah, exactly. Your one hour time frame. They exactly come at that time. But of course. So, so there. Sorry. So I was going to say. So, so therefore, for that to happen multiple times is pretty much not going to happen. No, 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 no. It doesn't and, and if you were on, if, for example, you were on two and you knew that one more was going to be a serious problem, there's just no way you'd let it happen. No, no. I mean, I would get, I would freak out if I would miss once, you know, and my wife, yeah, uh, sure. she never missed one. And if she would have missed one, we would be really like, you know, this is so stupid and we should really make sure this doesn't happen again. But it, I can't because imagine. Because even one, even one is a minor taint on your reputation, isn't it? It just puts a doubt in some people's mind that, and, and you just don't need that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what I also told uh, Murli that really make sure you're serious with those whereabouts. Don't take it for granted, like, uh, you know, oh, they're not going to come. Uh, so if I leave, it's not a big deal. No, you have to be serious because if you miss one, one test, just one test, even though it's not going to uh, lead to a ban directly um, it will make people to doubt you 
right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because you know, normally uh, for most people, I would say uh, you you put your one hour time frame the same day every single day. You're not going to say today I'm home at two o'clock, tomorrow I'm home at five o'clock, <laughs> the other day at eleven. You know, you know when you're having dinner, especially as an athlete, you have a quite a boring life actually. I mean, it's a great life. Yeah, but speak, speak, speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm I'm out I'm out all the time. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I said I'm out all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, crazy social calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, maybe well, maybe that's why you didn't make the Olympic team yet. You have to become, <laughs> make it more boring, man. Make it more boring. But um, what but about yeah. you? What about you, Callum? What what if you you know if you were or if in the future you are in this situation, how do you think you would approach that? Uh, does that sound does that sound hard to you or does that sound yeah well I kind of agree with Hugo like I'm I'm not even an a professional athlete I'm not even close to being professional and and my lifestyle is quite routine you know I've got my training times and I've got you know I know what I'm doing when so even even for me as a non-professional athlete if someone said right you need to be at home for one hour per day at this time like I, I think I'd find that quite easy and and like Hugo said like if you do if you do happen to forget once like my heart rate would go sky high and I'd be like, Oh no, I cannot do yeah, that again. And sure. I need to be, I need to be on it, you know? Um, so for it to happen three or more times, yeah, I think something's not right. I, th- I think the easiest time to do it might be the first hour that you're awake in the day. Cause that tends to be quite consistent for yeah. most people. And as runners, you tend to be, well, I mean, maybe people who have to fit in training before work, it's, it's a bit harder, but you tend, you tend to be in the house for that first hour. You know, you've, having a slice of toast you're making a cup of coffee then you're getting ready to go training so if you know you always go training at eight o'clock just say always between seven and eight and then it's just on the on the occasion that they do come round, you're going to have to delay training by a few minutes yeah. but it's not a yeah i don't know it's not a, it doesn't, yeah, yeah. and you can choose it doesn't the time does it when an athlete sorry, sorry, you can on. you can choose a time between 6 a.m and 11 in the evening right so it's really uh, right. they they make it relatively easy for you did you ever do you ever miss a drug yeah. test or get close to it hugo no 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 but i was never in um the testing pool oh, i see even though i ran uh, i think I ran pretty well but um <laughs> i i was tested but i mean i didn't have to uh, and i was tested out of competition so i've uh, i've had a few cases not that many but maybe five six times only in my career where people came at home to my house to test right. me right um uh, and the other times that I was tested was just uh, after and before competition. But uh, when they came to my house, uh, it was actually kind of weird because I was not in the testing pool. So I didn't have a website where I had to say where I was. So they just basically showed up and uh, were lucky that I was at home. Because if I was not at home, I don't think could have been a problem. Because, you know, if you're not in the, if you don't have to mention a one hour time frame, you can't have a missed test. Yeah. <laughs> so, um so yeah, they were just lucky that I was there, and they uh, they came and tested me. So. so was that if you're a non-professional athlete and and you're in that situation, like say you're still very high level, but you're, I mean, I know professional is sort of maybe a a, a term that isn't clearly defined when it comes to athletics because a yeah. lot of people are sort of training very seriously without actually making significant money from it. But is do you find that to be invasive that someone can just turn up at your house and? And, and and demand these things of you or, or do you accept that that's just part or, or that not necessarily accept or do you do you agree that that's a positive yeah yeah for, so for me and if i can maintaining the integrity of the sport yeah uh, exactly if i speak for myself and for my wife because i know hilda thinks the same way about it 
we always welcomed it because you you know that they're doing the same to other people and you 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 know that there are some people out there who are taking drugs and you don't know the percentage you don't know if it's five percent or fifty percent or twenty percent but you know they're out there so when they come to you you're kind of happy you know that you can do your duty and you you hope someone else uh, will be caught right so um yeah so it's I never found it annoying. I found it kind of interesting. And, and of course, it's, you know, when, when they come to your home and especially when you're busy and you don't really have much time, it, yeah, it takes an hour of your time or so, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, and the hardest thing is when they come and you, you can't pee, you know, you can't <laughs> go to the toilet. <laughs> and then they have to wait for you and then you have to drink and then it takes some time. And I never had that. Yeah, issue. so, so do, you, do, you mean, do you mean just because you actually don't need to, or is it difficult to go with a stranger watching you? No, no, that's not a problem, but uh, just because you don't have to go. We had this once, actually, where my wife finished second in um, uh, a marathon in Italy, uh, Turin, Turin Marathon, and she finished, and she was quite dehydrated, uh, just because it was warmer than we thought, and she didn't drink a lot, I think, so uh, the race was in the morning, and I think probably she finished around one o'clock, and instead of just being able to go to the hotel and relax and eat something and just, you know, just relax and, 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 and enjoy what you just did. And she, uh, she was sitting there in the, in a small office uh, until nine o'clock in the evening. That was really annoying. That was really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it's not something you complain about. It's, it's something you accept, you know, so it's part of your job and, and you have a great job as an athlete. So you say, okay, this is one of the things that isn't really, it isn't the best part of your job, but you still accept it. And uh, yeah, it was just a bit annoying that she couldn't be at the press conference and she couldn't really celebrate the victory. It was more like arrive back in the hotel at nine or 10 o'clock in the evening and, and eat something and sleep and, and leave again the next day. Uh, so that's that was a bit annoying. It just took her a long time before she could actually pee. And then when she could, it was too thin again because she drank too much. You know, she started drinking a lot. So then, <laughs> yeah, when you start... Uh, yeah, so then you're up all night because you have to... Yeah. Like okay, so to, to, to wrap up this you know, somewhat somewhat unsavory <laughs> topic of, of doping, uh, a, a quick vote. Are we buying the excuse of she's done nothing wrong and it's just that's just it's just normal to miss four tests in a year? No, Callum? not for me. I think there's uh, some shady goings on. Hugo? No, I don't trust her at all. Simple. No. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Yeah, so, 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 so same for me. Um, and, and I find it, I don't know, I don't know anything about a particular situation, but I find it unlikely that the world champion at 400 meters doesn't have a team of people around her who are um i'm not saying responsible for her missing the test but who aren't reminding her constantly of its importance so the idea that you can just accidentally miss four i I think is not is 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 ludicrous yeah it is yeah Mm. okay so let's move on um and the topic we want to delve into for the next 30 minutes or so if we can is some of the myths surrounding Kenyan training um and hopefully this is something that Hugo um particularly can give us some insight into uh, I also I lived in a 10 for three years where I was coaching alongside Canova um so I've got a little bit of insight as well and Callum's been out on on multiple training camps so we want to look at three issues in particular which are often cited as sort of some of the main elements of, of Kenyan 
distance running training. And again, we have to bear in mind that even if to, to say something as broad as Kenyan training, like that encapsulates the training of sort of thousands and thousands of people. And it's not, it's not, it's, it's more diverse than that, even within, within the idea of Kenyan training. It's not, this is what everyone does, but there are a lot of, oftentimes there are a lot of recurring themes and a lot of similarities. And there seem to be a few things which have taken hold um, at least here in the UK uh, that, that people seem to think are the, the, the key aspects of, of Kenyan training. And yeah, we're going to, we're going to discuss three of those today and to rewind just, just a little bit, I wrote an article on our Kenya experience blog, maybe about two months ago, um, which Callum gave the title of Mythbusters Kenyan Training, <laughs> which, uh, which, which, he, which he knows I didn't like because I thought it was a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit clickbaity maybe, but, but it was still um, the, so the article was, was entitled um, Kenyan, so, so something along the lines of Kenyan Hills, the training session that no one in Kenya ever does. Um, and, and funnily enough, I got a text from Hugo uh shortly afterwards saying hey I, I just read your article this is the first time i've ever heard of kenyan hills yeah um so that's kind of kind of kind of says it says it all really about about that topic but so that's one so we want to talk about kenyan hills then we want to talk about um easy running and again we'll go into much more detail in in a few minutes time and then i want to talk about uh running drills form form and technique drills um mm. And unlike the first topic, which is so Kenyan Hills, we're going to talk about it and then pretty much make a blanket statement of Kenyans don't do that training session. Um, again, there might be isolated examples where that isn't true, but we're going to make that blanket statement um, for the second two. The second, second issue, easy running. We're just going to basically talk about how it's far more varied and, and far more complex isn't necessarily the right word but but it's it's not a case of they don't do the type of running mm -hmm. but it's not exclusively that type of running um and then the third one drills yeah again it's it's not a case of no one does it but it's pretty pretty rare in the in the grand scheme of things right um so Callum, do you want to give us a quick rundown of sort of what, I mean, most people listening to this probably know what we mean when we describe Kenyan Hills. Um, certainly it's a common training session that's used in the UK. Um, Callum, do you want to give us a quick rundown of what, what do we mean? Yeah, so, that, so my um, take on Kenyan Hills from what I've done myself and heard other people describe is it's essentially a very hard hill workout where um, you kind of, you do sort of hill reps as you would normally do hill reps with a with a jog down recovery apart from the jog down recovery isn't a recovery it's also hard so it's kind of like a hard run up the hill and a kind of a hard run back down the hill continuous um for for either a time limit or a set number of reps up the hill um so so I, I've actually done, it's kind of, it's kind of funny when you wrote the article, because I was thinking back to my kind of childhood training and um, I actually did Kenyan Hills quite a lot. Like they were a, not a staple part of my training, but they were a pretty regular um, session for me would be, would be Kenyan Hills. 
But it, and, and it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. Canyon, Canyon Hills. Hills. We actually did it. Um, I, yeah. I live, as a kid, I lived in Cornwall near the coast and we actually did it a lot on the sand dunes. So we would do Kenyon Hills up and down a sand dune. Um, and yeah, we, and we called it Kenyon Hills. Um, so we'd run hard up. It was about a 30 to 40 second interval hard up and then we'd hammer it back down. And, and obviously when, when you're a group of, of 13, 14 year old competitive athletes, it becomes like a race. So you're hammering it up the hill, trying to catch everyone back up down the hill. And yeah, it's, it's a really hard workout and I imagine it's pretty beneficial, but I think the, the point we're about to make is, should it be called Kenyon <laughs> yeah let's work yeah exactly we're, we're, we're gonna let Hugo answer yeah. that question in a minute I'll say my 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 experience is very similar to what you've just described um and yeah it was a, it was a, it, it, I would say it was a staple For, through the winter it was a staple Saturday mornings was Kenyon Hills um pretty similar it was a steep hill in a country park probably probably up to a minute up that it would be either a cone or just a jumper or, or something you'd go around that and you just throw yourself wildly into the downhill as well. Um, and, and I seem to recall, I think the, the most continuous we ever did was maybe 20 minutes. We used to do things like four by five minutes or six by four minutes, like that, that kind of typical what you might do for a tempo or, yeah. or threshold session, but just yeah, we, we used to do hill. five times 10 um, reps. So 10, one rep would be up and down and, that, and then we'd do five, uh, yeah, five times 10 of them. Yeah. I, Okay, so you, so you do what you do five. Then uh, have no, we do ten, then have a break and do that five times. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, sets of ten, sets of ten. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and and I was fully under the impression that I was training the same way as Paul Turgat, <laughs> as I don't think who else with a with with the main guys around it. Not just in a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that, so Hugo, I mean, yeah, <laughs> considering you said. My article was the first time you'd ever heard of it. Yeah. Do you think that is an, an inaccurately named workout? Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, uh, it's 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 uh, a bit strange, of course, if you live in Kenya and you've uh, you know I've lived here for 13 years and I've been here for 20 years and and I've literally never ever seen uh, a Kenyan do a session similar to that. I mean, they always jog down very slowly down the hill. Uh, the hill work happens here, of course, and and sometimes uh, people go up really hard, and sometimes they go up kind of moderate or kind of relatively easy um, if they do it for a longer time. But they will always jog down slowly. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it, it's uh, I've never actually given that session to my athletes, but it seems pretty brutal. And uh, it, it it's an interesting session. Get, and uh, but but the name is in good shape. I think it was I think it was probably a bit risky to have us running fast down steep hills. Um, I don't think it was necessarily sensible from that perspective. But yeah, I used to, despite the fact that yeah, the the the, the naming was clearly wrong. I, I still don't think it was a bad training session. I don't think we were doing bad training back back then. I just yeah, I think it was um, yeah, it's just kind of funny that it's definitely. I mean, if you, if you think about it, it's basically the same as when you would have uh, a route. Yeah, yeah, no route. You say route where. Uh, route mm. where you just have rolling hills right and you say okay we're going to do for instance some repetitions there or we're going to do a 20 minute tempo there um where you just go all the time up and down and and then especially you would tell the athlete okay when you go uphill don't slow down but make sure you keep a, a high pace 
um, that would be kind of the same as that's, running uphill actually, and then running it down again. That's actually and, where um, I guessed that the name had come from. Um, it is a complete guess, but in the article I wrote, that's where I, I, I guessed that someone was running in Kenya with a group of Kenyans over a continuous up and down course. And to them, it felt like a, a, a tempo, tempo run or even harder than a tempo run. Um, and either right. they just decided to say, right, this is now the session we use as Kenyan Hills and it spread. Um, or they were blissfully unaware that the people they were with were just out on a, an easy run. And they were the only one doing a tempo run. And to everyone else, it was just yeah, a, yeah. A, a standard endurance, easy day, easy day. Well, yeah, or, um, you know, uh, at, at, at the moment, uh, the most of the top athletes here, uh, they go a little bit down by car when they have a workout. So they take a car for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and they have a workout on a uh, piece of road, which is relatively flat for Kenyan standards, not completely flat, but pretty much flat. And uh, But if you look at, for instance, 10 years ago, uh, when I was also training here, uh, most of the athletes who lived in Iten trained in Iten only. So if they would do a workout, um, let's say um, five times 10 minutes, um, they would run on uh, rolling hills all the time because that, that's just how the routes are here. And, and it wouldn't be like the same length of the hill all the time. So sometimes you would... Uh, climb for 30 seconds, sometimes for a minute, sometimes for two minutes maybe. But uh, but in that way, I can understand it. Like they will do their workouts just like you guys have your workouts. Only The only difference is that the workout they did was on a, a hilly road, right? So, um, and, and in E10, it's a plateau here. So we're at 2,400 meters altitude. That's 8,000 feet. Um so, um, yeah, it's not like you're running up a mountain. It's more like um, it's relatively flat, but you, you kind <laughs> of have rolling hills a long time. time, Hugo, to describe a 10 as relatively flat. <laughs> it's a, to, for, yeah, for yeah. reference of well, anyone you know, who's I not been there, with... a 10 is extremely hilly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're right. But, um, you know, I, I thought about India, where I work, of course. And then if they go to high altitude, you're most of the time somewhere on a mountain where you either turn right and you just run up the mountain. So you run from, for instance, 7,000 feet up to 10,000 feet and you turn around and you come back. Or you turn left and then you go down no, the mountain. No, that, yeah, that, that you know is I mean? true. And I'm thinking back to I coached. Do you remember I used to coach Steeplechaser Gladys? Uh, so I, I can't yes. remember the name of her home village. Um it's over towards the Ugandan border, and it's exactly as you described. You, you, you drive 20 minutes straight up a mountain to get to the village. Yeah, and then every run, you just run. You either run further up to the next village and then turn around and come back, or you run back down to the main, to the main road, um, turn around and run back up. So, so yeah, no, but yeah. Yeah, by, by Kenyan yeah, standard, so, yeah. to 10 is rolling rather than mountainous. Um, but yeah, by, by yes, standards exactly. of what most people are used to training on, it's, it's extremely hilly. Yeah. Yeah, it is because there's almost no meter flat. I mean, we, um, uh, last week we did 400 meter repetitions, um, and we really had to look for a piece of road, which was kind of flat. So we found it, but tomorrow we're going to do 600 meter repetitions and yeah, there's no, mm. there's nothing in it then where you do can you, do 600 do, meters flat. Have you tried right? So that's less than half a mile. Where, why? So where the track is now, where, where the, the all weather track is. 
the if you if you yeah. if you have to just use a small hill very small hill as it rises up past uh Salabar academy but otherwise you've got sort of two you've got two long yeah long stretches of flat that's where i used when i was living down um down on the farm by the track i used to use that that section right outside uh Salaba and then the next section along that's it's really quite flat that's exactly oh, okay. where, we, where we did it and where <laughs> okay. i wanted to do it so i should have just asked where yeah. you were instead of trying to yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so so yeah maybe that's what people mean when they talk about canyon hills it's just like doing your training session uh on a hilly uh road but uh for sure the whole concept of just running fast up a hill and running fast downhill uh that's pretty uncanyon and especially because uh when canyons are not racing when they're just training they they seem to be a bit scared of running fast mm. downhill yeah, when I run with a group of Kenyans, it's always funny. I still remember the first time I ran with a group of Kenyans. And when we finished, they asked me, hey, Mzungu, uh, white man, why are you doing fartlek? And I asked them, what are you talking about? I'm not doing fartlek. I'm just running with you guys. We were doing like some kind of 30 minutes tempo or so. And, and I said, you guys are funny because you're going up the hill. You're pushing very hard. And then down the hill, you are slowing down. And they told me, no, <laughs> we are maintaining the same pace. And they were right. They were maintaining the same pace, but obviously yeah, that sure. was not the same effort. And I was maintaining the same effort, not because I was running with the heart rate monitor, but going up the hill, I just felt like, whoa, these guys are able, let's say we were running 530 per mile, 330 per K, something like that. And up the hill, that was hard for me. I couldn't do it. I started feeling my muscles. So I slowed down and, and the Kenyans went in front. And then when we reached the top of the hill and we went down, I felt like, wow, they're slowing down a lot, you know, it's better I keep going because they'll catch me later, you know. So, yeah, I kind of maintained the effort and they maintained the pace. So it was a little bit hard. So si Sidetracking ever so slightly, I think that actually is perhaps one of the big, one of the, one of the biggest lessons that I think Western runners can take from Kenyan runners is the idea of running to feel rather than getting too het up on, on what the watch says. And this isn't something we need to delve into in great detail here, but I think doing workouts on hilly courses, as well as having physiological benefits in itself, is a good way of learning to do that because you you, you just know instinctively that your pace is going to vary and your pace is not going to be as important. Whereas whereas we tend to yeah. pick every time the best possible course or the, the flattest course that's going to have the least disruption um, which is great because you can learn to hold a consistent pace, which is also important, but it, it does mean that you tend to get very particular about, I said, I was going to run 540. So I'm running 540. And if I run a 545, then, then that's, then that's really like, you know, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. You, you, you tend not to yeah. tend no, not to even measure. Important. Well, I don't know about you, but I've only ever done hills say to time like, you know it's a, it's a 30 second hill or it's a one minute hill i've never paid any attention to how far i've run in that time because there's just too many exactly too many other variables yeah exactly yeah I yeah exactly and, and the other way around also I if you would uh, run 535 you would feel like hey i have exactly. to slow down because yeah, sorry, Callum, too fast. I, I think it's a i think it's a lot less mentally demanding kind of along the same lines as what you were saying when you run on a like a hilly course or even I find if I'm doing hill reps as, as an example, I find hill reps as a really, really good workout that's almost not mentally demanding at all because 
no matter what what pace I run I always feel like oh that was a really good workout whereas if I do say for example a track workout and I didn't and I missed my splits by half a second I'm like ah didn't didn't quite get it that time but with a hill session or a hilly tempo as long as I've pushed myself to the max which I kind of always do in a hard workout like that then I look back and think yeah that was that was a great workout yeah yeah, well those those are very good points of course that you uh you you have to ask yourself if it really is is important uh, to to know all the time how fast you run and to be kind of stressed about it and to be or, or how do you say so to be so particular about it to run exactly the pace that you have in mind uh, because you know you're not the same every day sometimes uh, you slept better than another time your shape can improve um, you're maybe better dehydrated you might be a bit busy in daily life so a lot of things combine to to have the certain shape of the day and, and like you say if you if you run on a hilly course you you just know by definition that um yeah you you can't really compare your kilometers or your miles so that it kind of gives it a bit of a relaxed feeling and that's kind of how it how you want it to be yeah for sure for sure okay let's before time gets away let's move yeah. on to the second idea uh we'd like to discuss today um and it's 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 slightly different to the first one in that this isn't this isn't something that we're saying doesn't happen and it isn't an important part of Kenyan training. It's just I think people tend to overemphasize its place in the program in, in general. Um, and that is easy running and in particular what what has become known colloquially as Kenyan jogging. Um Oh, Kenyan shuffle. The Kenyan, Kenyan shuffle, shuffle, I've heard it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Kenyan, Kenyan shuffle yeah. is how I tend to. So, yeah, anyone who's been to Kenya would have witnessed the Kenyan. Or sorry, anyone who's been to Kenya on a in a in a running area will have witnessed the Kenyan shuffle. So, this this myth we're talking about now isn't a myth that it doesn't happen. It very definitely does. It's 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 a significant part of a lot of runners' training. The where I think it can become problematic for people is if they then extrapolate that idea to think that that is how Kenyans do their easy runs um, sort of in their entirety. So the idea that comes from it then is that Kenyans either train extremely hard, i.e. track sessions, fartleks, hill workouts, um, or they are doing a Kenyan shuffle, which Inside Kenya is known as poly poly. I don't know if my how how is my pronunciation on that one, Hugo? Poly 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 poly. So I actually have I actually haven't been to Kenya for a, for a, for a while myself. So I'll have to I'll have to practice that ne- next time I go. But yes, so for those listening who maybe haven't heard of Kenyan shuffle no or haven't heard of poly poly, um, it's it's extremely slow running. Um, yeah, Hugo, maybe you yeah. can take up the explain explain first of all what 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 is that type of running when is it when is it used and then we can maybe talk about how that idea then yeah exactly so like okay the... so to 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 wrap up this you know, somewhat somewhat unsavory <laughs> topic of of doping uh, a, a quick vote are we buying the excuse of she's done nothing wrong and it's just that's just it's just normal to miss four tests in a year no, not Adam? for me. I think there's uh, some shady goings on. Well, Can where do people go wrong with that idea? Yeah, well, <clears throat> it's true that when Kenyans have done a workout, 
typically they always do their workouts in the morning. Uh, Tuesday morning, Thursday morning are the, the moments for the fartlek and the, the, the track work. So they've done the workout in the morning. Then in the afternoon, they go for an easy jog. And that easy jog is really slow. I mean, if I go five minutes per K, that's eight minutes per mile, I will pass them like they're standing still. You know, uh, the majority of Kenyans will run really slow on those 40 minutes afternoon, 40 minute afternoon runs, right? So that's the Tuesday and the Thursday afternoon. Um, and I would say in general, the afternoon runs are relatively easy, but they're not always as easy as on the Tuesday and the Thursday when they've done their hard work. Um, so I think, uh, so that's one thing. And you can ask yourself why they do that. Is it important to go that slow? Well, I think it, in a way it makes a little sense if you, if you can imagine you're, you're super tired from your workout. So all you care about is recovery. You just want to get some more blood flow in your legs to increase the recovery on that moment. <clears throat> and we live in a place that's hilly um, at high altitude. Re so if you're going fast. a little bit too fast, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So if you are uh, say to yourself like, Hey, you know, it's an easy run, easy run shouldn't be slower than seven minutes per mile. You know, you're still going to get tired because you're going up the hill at 8,000 uh, feet altitude. Um, so, you know, just to avoid that and to really care about the recovery. Yeah. Just, they do those recovery runs really slow, but it's a misunderstanding to think that the Kenyan training is completely polarized as, uh, Dr. Seiler would describe it. Seiler is the scientist who's behind the, the polarized training and, and, and Kenyan running is definitely in a certain way polarized, but it's not definitely not true that it's all uh, just super fast running or extremely slow because they, I mean, they still have like the Monday morning run, the Wednesday morning run, the Friday morning run. And, and on those days also afternoon runs where they're keeping a decent Adam, pace. What's your experience? of running with, with Kenyans or just running in Kenya and seeing how they, how they run. So not outside of workouts. So like easy runs essentially. Yeah. Um, I definitely think they, they place a lot more emphasis on keeping easy runs easy from what I've noticed. Like um, I, I know Gavin, actually my training and your training in this particular aspect is really different in itself. Actually when, when I'm here in the UK and I do my easy runs, I like to kind of clip along at a decent pace as long as I'm not going into got, the you, next you kind really, of zone. You've got to be really careful what you say here to not insult me, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I normally do my easy runs about about 4.45 per mile <laughs> and I just feel kind of comfortable. Yeah. No, I, I normally do about sort of 6.30, 6.30 per mile. Um, whereas in, in Kenya, if I tried to do that, well, firstly, I couldn't because of the hills and the altitude, but if I ran at that kind of same sort of, um, uh, kind of adjusted pace, um, I don't think any Kenyans would kind of come with me and treat that as an easy run. Um, like, and, and, and those guys are a lot, most of the guys I've trained with in Kenya are a lot faster than me on, on paper. And, and if they did an easy run, they would be well into the sort of eight to eight thirty per mile. Um, but having said that, like, like Hugo said, um, yes, they do do their easy runs quite slowly and kind of at a very leisurely pace, but I've also done a lot of moderate running with them. I've done a lot of fartlek running with them. I've done a lot of, I've joined groups where we've kind of done, um, uh, sort of steady tempos around five to six minutes per mile. Yeah. But, but, um, but was that, 
was that an, that was an easy run for them though you just went out and the pace just got down to that sort of pace rather than it being a, a structured workout yeah that i remember one i remember one um run i did with them uh it was a big group we met at uh quite early on a friday morning they they call it the meeting point um i met met with a group there um and we we went out and it felt quite comfortable at the beginning it was maybe uh yeah around seven to eight minutes per mile um for for a couple of k and within three kilometers we were down sub six minutes per mile and I, I hung on for about seven or eight kilometers, by which point we were about, yeah, we were down well well towards kind of 30-minute 10K put, uh, pace at that point. And I maybe ran at that pace for about 1K. And then I thought, no, there's no I'm, I'm going to run close to my 10K PB here, so I'm going to go and have to pull out. <laughs> um, but I, I don't I don't think any of them counted that as easy. Like it was still like that was a progression. Yeah, run. but it but it wasn't um, that wasn't one of the that wasn't one of the hard days of the week. That wasn't a No, no. Yeah, so so, and that's, so that's essentially my my experience of, of training yeah. in Kenya. Is is yeah. is not the Yeah, so these these Kenyan shuffle runs I mean well yeah, let's let's stay on that for a second and then and then I'll talk about my my personal perspective. Mm. Have you done a Kenyan shuffle? with kenyans yes yes <laughs> okay so yeah the fact you're laughing is 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 ideal is perfect so talk us talk us talk us through it from your uh so the the the, uh, the one that stands out to me is um I, I was in uh kenya training with a friend of mine from sweden he's about a similar standard to me and we went to we joined in with one of the sessions with saint patrick's high school mm-hmm. um so, so some of these guys are really really good i mean um David Rudisha trained yeah, there, and Ro- Ro- um, yeah, a, group. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah world, world record holder who... for ten k on the road. Yeah, super, yeah. In fact, he was elite. there. Okay, yeah, yeah. So su- super elite. He, he, super elite. Yeah, he he was there. Uh, so a, a sub twenty seven, a well under twenty seven minute ten k runner, and um, me and uh, Eric, this, the Swedish guy I was I was training with, were were super excited to go and um, run with the. St. Patrick's guys, we'd, we'd never trained with them. And obviously we'd heard about them and we knew kind of the, what we were getting into. And we were thinking, Oh, what, what session is this going to be? And, and, um, we did a little warm up, and then we did, um, we, we split into five different groups of about 10 athletes per group. And we were all made to run in a line behind one, one another, um, behind each other. And at no point were we running faster than I would say nine minutes, maybe 10 minutes per mile. Um, we were yeah, Kenyan shuffle shuffle is the exact word I'd use to describe <laughs> it. We really were. And, and these guys, and these guys are 27, 28, 29 minute 10 K runners. So for them, nine to 10 minutes per mile is, yeah, it was, and it just, it felt, it felt like we had done nothing. Even in the 23 degree heat, I, I didn't break a sweat and we went back and I was, we were both kind of like, uh, what, what, what was that? Is that how these guys train? Is that, mm-hmm. is that all they do? <laughs> um but i mean yeah so that yeah that was my experience of a of a kenyan <laughs> so i i find it i find yeah. it i find it physically difficult so i sometimes mm. used to do afternoon jogs with florence there's another one of the athletes that uh one of canova's athletes when i was canova's assistant um mm. so yes yeah, so she she's a, well she was world record holder for half marathon and we'd meet up sometimes to go for a, for a jog in the afternoon and it was, I'd, I'd, I'd stop and walk and stay alongside her. 
<laughs> I physically stop running. I stop mm-hmm, running yeah, and yeah. start yeah. walking and sort of just look across at her and grin and just sort of say, what, what, what are we doing? But um, yeah, I, it, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, it's, it's not. So, yeah, go on. So I, I guess that I guess the myth um, that we're kind of debunking here is not that the not that they don't exist, but that they don't solely comprise of that. Yeah. Yes. So so again, I don't think this is I don't think this myth inverted commas is as commonplace as, for example, Kenyon Hills and actually not as commonplace yeah. as the one we're going to move on to in just a second. But this is definitely something that I, I think it's more a case of if you're going to take something away from Kenyan training that you're going to incorporate into your own training or at least you're going to think about and and consider using in your own training. I don't think it should be Kenyan shuffle. Like, I think that's a part of training that you can just leave alone and not worry about uh, in, yeah. in terms of, you know, if, if there's things to learn and things to things to take away, I think it's almost a shame if that's the one that, that you go for, because there are other things that you can take, which, which are going to have far more of a, a benefit to you. Sure. Um, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and, please, sorry. carry on. I want to say for me, it was almost the opposite when I came to Kenya the first time in 2000. Um, the, the, the main thing I felt like that I learned from the Kenyans, apart from, you know, listening to your body and, and more like uh, approach to training, uh, was the fact that I felt like they actually did quite a bit at threshold and, and sub-threshold. Um, so like the way uh, Callum also described, like having a progressive run where, you start relatively easy and, you know, if you have five zones, you go to zone two and then you're spent quite some time in zone three and you finish in zone four. Um, I had never done that in my life. And, and I felt like, especially at that time, it, it happened quite a lot. So that was apart from the workout. So you had the workouts, but then you often had the day before a workout uh, or after a workout where they would uh, say, like, we're going for an easy run. And, and even for them, it wasn't an easy run. It was like starting easy, but finishing close to threshold. Um, so, so yeah, that was for me the one, one of the biggest takeaways. Like, hey, you know, these guys are constantly stimulating their aerobic system in a very that strong way. That is exactly what would be... If, if I was only allowed to tell someone one thing to take from Kenyan training based on yeah, fairly extensive period of time living and training there... Um, it would it would be that um, my my experience was that three or four right. times a week we would run at yeah what 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 I would say is sort of a progressive fairly hard pace over over hilly over hilly courses um, and it starts out very easy and then it picks up a little bit and then it picks up a little bit um, obviously I was in nowhere near as good a shape as the people I was I was running with so maybe their effort levels were a li- were a little bit lower than that. But yeah, the, the lesson definitely wouldn't be jog all your easy days really, really slowly. Right. Um, okay. I think we probably could talk about that one a little bit more because there are different angles we can go off on it. But let's um, let's move to the third and final uh, myth of Kenyan training. And again, this is something I, I don't know, Hugo, if you would recognize it as a myth um, or if you were even aware that people think this, but one of the key aspects that a lot of people believe to be, sorry, one of the things that a lot of people believe to be a key aspect of Kenyan training is that they do a lot of work on form technique, um, particularly through 
the method of of running drills. Um, See, so yeah, I wonder if as a can we, can we get your your perspective on that idea? Yeah, I've heard that, but uh, yeah, like you say, it's 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 really a myth in a way that uh, I mean, I know brother Colum, the mm. famous brother here who um, coaches a lot of younger Kenyan athletes, and of course was David Odisha. Um, so he he pays attention to running drills, uh, not typically the kind of running drills that that we do, although there is some overlap. Um, but um, um, yeah, he does that. But in general, I I, I would say that uh, probably ninety percent of the Kenyans who are world class elite athletes, if you would take them to the track anywhere and would start doing drills with them. Uh, you would probably laugh because they're so bad at it. <laughs> yeah, so you would have like, you would have the the Europeans being much better at the drills than the Kenyans. So um, yeah, yeah, this is this is doing drills is not a secret of Kenyan running. Definitely. So I yeah. I think that I think that's just spread through, just the fact that say say for example you take Brother Colm, Colm's group. Um, Generally, the information that's out there on Kenyan training is is fairly minimal. And if you then, if you do find a group that 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 spend time on that kind on that kind of training, put it on the internet, and and it gets sort of quite a lot of quite a lot of following, and people go, "Oh, okay, well that's how the Kenyans train." But yeah, no, in in my experience, that wasn't. It's not. It's not part of the warm up. It's not part of training. It's sort of set separately from that. It's Yes, yeah, a strange one. Um, I, I... Yeah, yeah, it's like, this. and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do drills. And and I mean, if you have bad running form, I or in general for everyone, I think doing running drills can help you have better performance. But um, it's not a secret of Kenyan training, that's for sure. We may not have time to delve into this now, but then I, I wonder. Most Kenyan runners. They look brilliant when they run. They, it's so smooth. It's it, it appears to be effortless. It's 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 almost the it's what you aspire to to run like. And if we're saying that drills is a way to improve running form, then we're saying these guys have great form, but they don't do drills. Are you able to just fairly briefly give your idea of why are Kenyans what why why? Do they have such great form if it's not from from doing hours and hours of drills? Some of the coaches that I worked with when I was growing up, even sort of up into my into my twenties and that, we used to do a lot of drills. And I even we did it because we were coached to do it and you know, training was fun and you were there with your friends. But I, I remember even amongst us, we used to say, like, the people who are best at drills don't have very good running form. Or not 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 necessarily don't, but may not have very good running form. And we were fairly terrible at drills. And again, it was hit and miss. Like some of us had good running form. Some of us didn't. Some of us were getting a lot of injuries. Some of us weren't. And there just didn't seem to be any connection between the types of things that we were being taught to do. And then when we actually went and ran and you, you could look great for 10 minutes doing drills, then you start running and you just run without utilizing any of the things that you've supposedly just practiced in drills. Um, and yeah. Callum... Yeah, yeah maybe can can step in on this as well because it was only extremely recently that i did a few training sessions with uh, a sprint coach here in loughborough and callum joined in with one of those sessions when he was up here and all of a sudden it was sort of it was sort of revelationary because it was man this is what drills are supposed to feel like and it was 
all of a sudden there was a connection between what we were actually doing in the drills and how we were running. And I just think, I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, but I think a lot of people spend a lot of time doing drills, which don't actually do anything. Yeah. I, I, right. I it's the exact same thing when with the, um, the coach that you're talking about when we went to Loughborough. Um, so this was, um, yeah. So Hugo, I went up to stay with Gavin to, um, oh, no, I haven't, I haven't just dropped you in it, have I? Your coach is only just found, finding out that you did a <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I ran it past you because we tried <laughs> to do that tempo run the next day after a drill session. And it, for oh, me, it was you were, Yeah, you were battered. I, I was, remember I, I dropped yeah. you after about four or five miles. So I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> come on, Callum said he's in good shape. We're only running five miles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a completely different um, drill session from anything I've ever done. And, and I think that for me was the, the turning point of realising that when you do drills, you, you really have to kind of focus and you have to like do them actively. You can't just um, kind of, yeah, it's, you can't it's not just through like, the motions. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's what a lot of um, people who do drills regularly kind of, that's, I guess that's what they do. That's certainly what I did as a kid when I was going to my local athletics club and we did some drills, the, the coach would say, right, okay, high knees now. And then we'd all just do high knees while we're still having a chat and joking around. And then, and we'd do some heel flicks and, and that, that isn't, that isn't working on your technique. That's just going through the motions that may or may not be correct. Um, may or may not be helping you in any way. Um, so the, and the then, difference, sorry, Callum, sorry, I thought you finished. No, I was going to say, and, and then, and then suddenly when I was made to actually really think about it and kind of do them actively um uh, and, and really think about what each movement that i was doing that made such a huge difference and um yeah it's something that i've, I've focused on uh recently as well mm, yeah so I'm, I'm glad that it's sort of helped you going forward as well because it definitely has for me and and the other guys that i train with up here so the, the difference that we saw straight away when we when we were doing these drills with mike he's um the 400 meter coach hugo pre- predominantly for, for coaching 400 meter runners yeah and going through some of the drills very early on in even in our first session, he was saying, OK, fine. It looks nice. The shape's OK. But now you've got to do it with some purpose. Now you've got to do it with some intent um, using phrases like uh, attack the ground. Um, yeah, I can't remember the exact uh, cues he was giving us, but it was a lot about uh, having a much more forceful impact against the ground rather than just focusing on does it look nice? Um yeah, and I yeah think, exactly. Okay, yeah. So, you uh, and that's what I think a lot of us runners, certainly in the UK, and I'm, I'm going to guess it's the same in, in a lot of other countries, drills is only about making a pretty shape. And if it looks like it's the right action, then that's enough. But that's really only the very, very first step. Um, and if you want it to translate into actually changing how you run, you have to, you have to then do that with much more, uh, I can't remember what word Callum was using earlier. I, I'm calling it intent. Intensity. Sorry, I was saying intense yeah, exactly. and intensity, and, and it's a really difficult workout. It's not something you can just go, "Oh, let's spend ten minutes on drills and just go through the motions." It's yeah, it's something you need if if you want to change your form or improve your form, you really have to put um, effort uh, and yeah, concerted effort into it. Yeah, well, it's a good one. It's interesting, of course. It's, um, I mean, it just if I look at my own wife, uh, Hilda, she she had pretty great running form, uh, but she, uh, and, and she actually, she's one of the few Kenyans who lived abroad. Of course, she lived with me in the Netherlands and she actually did drills and she wasn't good at the drills, but 
it still helped her a lot, but what helped her a lot was uh, strength training. And I think, uh, so when it comes to running form, I think the first thing is that uh, with Kenyans, um, they have enough strength in all their body parts to maintain a good running form. And I think this is one of the problems when in the Western world you start running and you, you have been sitting down uh, for a big part of your life and then you start running, um, then you, you kind of can't expect, you know, that your calves, your hamstring, your core, your, your glutes, everything is strong enough to, you know, be able to maintain that running form. Um, that's, that's one thing. Uh, so Kenyans have a super active childhood where they run a lot. Um, they, you know, they jump over stuff. They, in a playful way, but also just, um, you know, maybe um, they have to go to the river to, to get water. They have to get firewood for their family. So this is part of life for them. Uh, on, in, in the weekends, they are chasing rabbits. Um, so this is, this is something that most of the Kenyan top athletes can tell you how their life was. It, it's, it's a super active childhood. And you can imagine when you're uh, young and, and you're always playing outside, you're always running and jumping. And then also the terrain is very uh, hilly. It's continuously up and down. And, and on top of that, you're running without shoes because this is what mostly happens all of the time. So between the age of, let's say, four years and let's say 12 years, they're spending, they're, they're running kilometers and miles and miles and, and most of it without shoes up and down hills. And I think this this is one aspect that really helps. And, and then the final aspect is, I think, the body shape, which is more a genetic thing. Um, simply, you know, having less weight at the end of your extremes. So in other words, having a lower uh, mass of your, of your calves, of your, of your lower legs, it helps to have a more smooth, efficient running form. I mean, that's, that's proven in different ways also with computer models and stuff. And, and um, uh, so uh, Kenyans typically, of course, have very long and thin legs, especially long and thin, thin lower legs. They have very little mass there. And that also helps to have a, a very efficient mm. running form. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, that that seem, seems, to be, seems to be the answer. I mean, um, another thing which I think is interesting yeah, well, I I, th I still think you can spend ten minutes on it, but it's true that you should be completely focused, and it it, it definitely is important that you know what you're doing and why you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, I think it was a bad a bad example that I gave to say yeah oh you you I, I what I'm more, the point I more went to make is however long it takes that you can just do it and not really worry about oh I've done some drills now that's right. Hmm. No, I know okay. exactly what you mean. What did you no, want to say? I was going to say and, and um, kind of bringing that back to the point of is it a myth in Kenya that Kenyans do drills? I, I think you, it's not uncommon to see Kenyans doing drills, but again, they kind of, they might be doing them for warm up, and they might be kind of, they look kind of good when they're doing them, but are they kind of doing them actively and are they really kind of um, in, in the way that we just described? Um, probably not. I mean, I, I would go as far as to say that it is uncommon. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I yeah. think far more, yeah. far more usual, is, far more usual uncommon. warm up would be sort of a, a twenty minute jog, straight into ch change into your racing shoes, straight into strides. Get going, yeah, right. Um, we, yeah, that's true. And then, exactly I, I was going to say we have passed my half marathon PB, which means we are getting into the last uh, <laughs> last couple of minutes. So, yeah, C certainly don't want to yeah. cut you off, Hugo. Just more more conscious of your your time. 
Sure, sure, sure. No, I think we've we've said enough, yeah. guys. So you, okay, you so could have, then you could have ran yeah. thirteen miles in the uh, in the time that we've been. <laughs> well, no, no, no. This is my PB, not my current right. shape. Hugo, Hugo could have ran probably all, over fourteen. How far would you have got? In ex- well, we're now ex- well, long long time ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'd still be on ten. Yeah. <laughs> so to wrap up, Kenyan Hills has got nothing to do with Kenya. Kenyan Shuffle. Right. Is used and is common, but unless you're running the kind of volume and the kind of mileage that the Kenyans are running, there are other types of running which are probably going to be better for you. Yeah. And running right. drills are a waste of time unless you've been coached properly how to actually utilize them um, and are not common in Kenya. So they can't really be attributed to that's why the majority of Kenyan runners run with such great form. Um, And that's probably, again, something we can delve into in more detail in in another session. Um, But to summarize Hugo's point there, that's probably more to do with general overall body strength, a lot of which is developed uh, as a youngster growing up in rural Kenya. Thanks for joining us for episode three of the Kenya Experience podcast. If you want to learn more from myself, as well as from Callum and from Hugo, then you can visit our website at www.traininkenya.com and navigate your way to the blog and resources section where you will find blogs and articles the three of us have written. Uh, You can also follow us on Instagram where we are at the underscore Kenya underscore experience. Thanks once again, and we hope you'll be with us for episode four. Thanks for listening to the Kenya Experience podcast with myself, Gavin Smith, and my colleagues, Callum Jones and Hugo Vandenbroek. If you want to learn more about the Kenya Experience, you can visit www.traininkenya.com, where you'll get more information about our training camps for runners of all levels in Iten, Kenya. You can also read blogs and articles from the three of us in the blogs and articles section. Uh, You can also learn, you can also find us on Instagram at the underscore Kenya underscore experience. Uh, And you'll also find Callum and Hugo on there as well. Um, And from there, you can learn a lot more about their coaching uh, and get some additional great tips and information. Thanks again. And we will see you see you shortly.